Now that the dust has settled on the liberals' latest indictment of President Trump, the precise nature of the charges is becoming a little bit clearer. They're not getting him on a campaign donation this time, as they tried in New York. And they're not getting him on inciting an insurrection, as they tried in D.C. And they're not getting him on keeping White House souvenirs, as they tried in Florida. In Georgia, the libs are arresting the former president and current leader of the political opposition for tweeting out a TV show. I'm not joking. This is verbatim text from the indictment. Quote, on or about the third day of December 2020, Donald John Trump caused to be tweeted from the Twitter account, Real Donald Trump. Georgia hearings now on OANN Amazing. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, you tweet out a TV show, you, you could go to the clink for many years. It's not just TV show tweets, though. No, no, no. This indictment also includes the crime of asking someone for an elected official's phone number. Here is another charge from the indictment. This one relating to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, verbatim from the text of the indictment, quote, on or about the 21st day of November 2020, Mark Randall Meadows sent a text message to U.S. Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and stated, can you send me the number for the speaker and the leader of the PA legislature? POTUS wants to chat with them. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. These are the kind of charges on which the libs are building the case that a bunch of Republicans, including Donald Trump, engaged in a conspiracy to overthrow our sacred democracy. But by the standards in this indictment, countless Democrats should be behind bars. Al Gore and his supporters in 2000, Hillary and her supporters in 2016. By this standard, not only have Democrats committed these sorts of crimes many times in the past, but Stacey Abrams did it just five years ago in the state of Georgia. As far as I know, she still hasn't conceded that election. The charges are flimsy and preposterous. In a more civil and law-abiding age, we would laugh at them. But that era of law and order is over. The very fact that the charges are even being brought proves that we no longer live in that reasonably lawful country. We are living in an age of the raw exercise of power. And if the Democrats get their way, Trump will be one of the first, but certainly not the last, to get a taste of that power. To the tune of, at present count, potentially 727 and a half years in prison. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 30 bucks off your order with code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You can get the same delicious steak I had for lunch like three days ago. It's just so freaking good. Goodranchers.com. Use my code Knowles today. A jury has just awarded a woman $1.2 billion from her ex-boyfriend because he sent revenge porn out. We'll get into the intricacies of that case. I love this decision. We will get into it in a moment. First, though, I don't want to gloss over the Trump indictment. I, I know I have to be more specific than that. This is the most recent Trump indictment, this one in the state of Georgia. So this is not a federal charge. This is a state charge, which means it's going to be a little hairier 
for Trump to pardon himself if somehow they let him get elected again. And well, we're in uncharted territory, so we just don't really know what it looks like. The Georgia indictment, though, is not just against Trump. Georgia indictment is against Mark Meadows, former White House chief of staff, great guy. Uh, Former Republican Party chairman of Georgia, David Schaefer, another great guy. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, great guy. I'm a New Yorker, so obviously love Rudy. And many other people. State Senator Sean Still, attorneys John Eastman, a wonderful man, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, my friend, Bob Cheely, Ray Smith III, Kenneth Chesbro, former Assistant U.S. Attorney General Jeffrey Clark, GOP strategist Michael Roman, former Coffee County Election Supervisor Misty Hampton, Coffee County GOP Chairman Kathy Latham, Atlanta bail bondsman Scott Hall, publicist Trevian Cuddy, Illinois pastor. We got, of course, we got a pastor in there, Stephen Cliffgard, Lee, Harrison Floyd, who, who ran for office. The list is so long, so full of people. A reminder that this is not really about Trump. It is in that Trump is the lightning rod. Trump is the one who changed the GOP. Trump is the one who threatened the liberal political order. And so Trump is getting all of the attacks. And it's ironic that it's Trump because the liberals love Trump for his entire career. And he was a big celebrity, feted in Hollywood, feted in New York, uh, lauded in all sorts of hip hop songs and popular music. The moment he decides to be a Republican and a populist conservative at that, uh, they all turn on him. But it's not really about Trump in as much as even if you're a Republican who hates Trump, they'll get you too eventually. They'll get you too. This is a shift and, and we're not going to go back to the old normal. The Democrats have decided to make political dissent illegal, even at the highest levels. It's not unprecedented in American history to litigate the, the fringes of political dissent. But we've obviously never thrown a former president in prison. We've obviously never thrown the leader of the opposition in in prison. And we've never thrown into prison all the people around him. That's what's going on here. So it's the criminalization of politics, in this case, specifically conservative politics. I don't see how you go back from that. And if you're one of these Republicans who doesn't like Trump or who thinks it's convenient to distance himself from Trump, I've just got bad news for you. They're going to come for you too. Jenna Ellis is is promoting DeSantis right now. Jenna's not working on the Trump campaign. She was Trump's lawyer. Now she's, and there are plenty of Republicans who they work for one politician, then they go support another politician. But they don't care here. The liberals, they don't care. They're going to go after all of them. John Eastman, very respected conservative lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, everybody. They're going after everybody. Now go after you too. It's not just about Trump and Republicans will join together or die apart. That's the way it's going to go. Now, when you want to build yourself up for battle, metaphorically or literally, if you want to build your body up to be big and strong, you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use code Knowles. I don't know about you, But this summer heat in Nashville feels hotter than it's been in years. And thanks to the inflation, we are feeling the heat in more ways than one, huh? Well, the one thing I'm not sweating this hot summer is my meat price. Thanks to good ranchers, my price is locked in for two years. You might be thinking, a price lock on meat? Yes, it's amazing and you need it. 
How does Good Ranchers do it? I have no idea because they've got higher quality meat than any other company out there and their prices are lower than all the other companies, and then they're locking it in, even with Joe Biden, who is president inflation. So I don't know how they're doing it, but it's great, and I eat this food all the time, and it's just so freaking good. Everything they make is terrific. The, the steaks are out of control, and the burgers are the best I've ever had. If you want it, and you want it for a great price, all good American meat, go to GoodRanchers.com, use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, Get 30 bucks off any box. That is promo code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. So Trump uh, now is, is having his indictment hinge on one little phrase. The phrase is, find me the votes. You, maybe you've heard that if by some chance you were walking through an airport and therefore CNN was on one of the TVs and you happen to hear CNN or MSNBC or one of these liberal channels. They'll say that Trump called the Georgia Secretary of State and told him to find me the votes so that he could flip the election in that state. The problem for the prosecution is that the liberal media are lying about that phrase. Trump never said that. We have the transcript. In fact, if you go to the CNN website, you can get the transcript of this phone call between Trump and the Georgia Secretary of State and and some of the legal counsel in that office. And you'll see he didn't say, find me the votes. He said something very different. And and in fact, I'll read it in full. This is, that's not in full. This was a long phone call. But this is a good chunk of the relevant portion here. So Trump says to the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, quote, I think you're going to find that they, by the way, a little information, I think you're going to find that they are shredding ballots because they have to get rid of the ballots because the ballots are unsigned. The ballots are corrupt and they're brand new and they don't have a seal. And there's the whole thing with the ballots, but the ballots are corrupt. Very Trumpian kind of diction. But the ballots, you know, and the ballots, and people are going to say, many people are talking about the ballots. And so he says, but the ballots are corrupt. And you are going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It is more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. Put a pause here. I don't want to interrupt it too much. But you realize here that Trump's diction is like it's out of a David Mamet play which makes sense, I guess. Mamet writes like people talk in real life, and maybe it's a little exaggerated, and it's especially kind of New York-y. Well, that's Trump. So he, he keeps coming back to this. He goes, but the ballots, but the ballots, but the ballots, they're not legit. And so he says, you're, you're not reporting it. That's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And you can't let that happen. That's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer, and that's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines. And you can't let it happen, and you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state. And flipping the state is a great testament to our country because you know This is, it's a testament that they can admit to a mistake or whatever you want to call it. If it was a mistake, I don't know. A lot of people think it wasn't a mistake. It was much more criminal than that. But it's a big problem in Georgia and it's not a problem that's going away. I mean, you know, it's not a problem that's going away. And then a lawyer in the Secretary of State's office, uh, Mr. Germany, says, Mr. President, this is Ryan. We're looking into every one of those things that you mentioned. Trump says, good. But if you find it, you've got to say it, Ryan. Okay. 
It's a lengthy bit from this transcript, but it's really important because what you glean from that transcript, I, I think incontrovertibly, what you, what you have to infer from that transcript is that Trump believed that the election was being stolen in Georgia. And after all those reports of pipes bursting and after the count of the vote was paused in the middle of the night, took a lot longer, I think a lot of people were thinking that. And he said, what I'm hearing, this is the president of the United States, says what I'm hearing is that ballots are being shredded, that ballots are not legitimate, that are being counted here, that they're moving the machinery, and that's illegal. And he says, I'm notifying you. I'm notifying you that if you find that these things are true, you have to report it. And I fear that you're not reporting it. But if, here's the big if, that's the important conditional, saying if you find that that's true, then you have to report it. This phrase, find me the votes, he never said it. He said, I just want to find 11,780 votes. He wants to find it because he was down by one, one fewer vote than that. And he's just said that he thinks this, this election is being systematically, egregiously stolen. So when he says, I just want to find 11,780 votes, he's not saying, you better find that number. You better make it up. He's saying, I think there are probably many more votes that are for me. But I just want to find 11,780. I don't even care to uncover the scope of the corruption here. I believe that there is all of this corruption, but I just want to find the bare minimum to stop this election from being stolen. You might say, well, he was full of it. Well, there was no evidence of that. Well, I think this was the cleanest election ever. Well, there's no way that the Democrats did anything corrupt in Georgia in 2020. And you're entitled to that opinion. And that opinion is completely irrelevant to the question at hand. The question at hand is, did Donald Trump engage in a conspiracy to overturn election results and lead a coup d'etat and insurrection in America? And the plain text of the transcript shows you not even close. He very clearly, sincerely believed that this was happening. A lot of other believe that, a lot of other people rather believe that too. And he qualified, he, he didn't say, go out there and find it. This is a demand from your president. He says, this is what I want to find. And he even qualified his one demand, which was his legal right and, frankly, responsibility to demand of the Georgia Secretary of State. He qualified it. He said, if you find it, then you got to report it, if you find it. And the legal aid to the Georgia Secretary of State says, yeah, we're looking into all of those things. Okay. Does that matter, though? Does it matter that this case is preposterous? I don't think so. Haven't they crossed the Rubicon? They've indicted the former president, the leader of the opposition. Joe Biden's own political hatchet men have done that at the DOJ. So I'm I'm not convinced that the legal arguments really matter all that much, and Georgia's not a favorable place to Donald Trump. Depends on the jury, but but doesn't seem very favorable. Now here's a little coincidence. Totally off the question of the indictments. Cable news viewership, sorry, cable viewership period has hit an all-time low. Right now, if you take cable TV and broadcast TV, which is obviously a much larger pool of people, it dropped to a new low in July 2023 in terms of total share among American viewers, dropping below 50% of total TV usage in the United States for the first time. That's according to Nielsen. Cable's share fell below 30% for the first time ever, losing a full 
SharePoint uh, right now. Uh, broadcast usage fell 3.6%, which is down 0.8 points. Year-over-year basis broadcast is down 5.4%. Cable viewing down 12.5%, so way, way down. Meanwhile, YouTube and Netflix, just those two companies, accounted for a record 38.7% of U.S. TV usage total. Why do I throw all of those numbers at you? Because now you've got, you're approaching parity between people when they turn on the TV. Are they turning on broadcast and cable or are they turning on YouTube and Netflix? And Netflix is pretty lib, but there's still a wide smattering of on-demand shows, whereas cable and broadcast is pretty much just what the networks want you to see at any given time. I think that this is no mere coincidence that the ruling class is clamping down on dissent more than at any point in at least the last hundred years. They're doing it right now at exactly the same time that the media landscape is cracking up. And the reason for that is, this is a point I've made on the show. I haven't made it recently, but I, I used to make it a lot. There will be order. Power will be enforced. And if we in our communities are able to maintain order, that's fine. If we can't maintain order, then order will be imposed from above. But there will be order. And in recent decades, really from the Second World War until 10 years ago, order was maintained not necessarily with the heavy hand of the state, the police forces, the DOJ and the FBI, or even the the states and the localities. Order was maintained in many ways through the manufacturing of a consensus through a liberal establishment media, where in the early days there were just three news channels. Now there are more than three news channels, but they all have the same talking points. Statistically, all of them are pushing the same political propaganda, and that makes the people fairly docile, easy to manipulate, and roughly on the same page. As that started to crack up, as that media stranglehold started to crack up, I'm thinking 10, 15 years ago, what happens? You start to see the rise of populism on the right for the first time in a strong way in a very long time. You saw the rise of the Tea Party. You saw the rise of the MAGA movement then some years later. And and now you're seeing a strong conservative Republican Party that that breaks away from some of the... uh, orthodoxies of the Republicans of the Uniparty. You know, there was this weird fact for years that you could elect a Democrat, you could elect a Republican, you were always going to get more immigration. You could elect a Democrat, you could elect a Republican, you were always going to outsource more jobs. You could elect a Republican, you could elect a Democrat, you were always going to get a lot more debt and a lot more foreign wars and basically the same foreign policy. And then you see these populist elements creep in. I, I don't think that the two are disconnected at all. And the, the media landscape is not going to come back together anytime soon. You're going to continue to see a crack up and people are going to, look at this, we're broadcasting right now, in part on a traditional media landscape, on, or at least on uh, terrestrial radio right now. But m- mostly this is in new media. And then your liberal aunt is watching MSNBC or CNN right now. And you are living in two totally different media universes because we have two different political visions for the country that are increasingly clear. And you've got two different political communities in the same place. And right now, the liberals are the ones that have all the power. 
And as we become a little more vocal, as we become a little bit more um, co- coherent and cohesive in our views, the liberals are not going to tolerate that. And they are going to criminalize not all politics, just our politics. And they're going to make an example of people. And they might even throw the leader of the political opposition into prison. And they're doing that in part because they hate that opposition leader. They truly hate Donald Trump. But the bigger reason they're doing it is because they hate you more (laughs) and and they do not want you, even beyond their feelings of love and hate, they do not want you to threaten their power. It's enough to keep people up at night. You know why I don't stay up at night? Because of Helix. Right now, go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles with everything going on in the world right now. You could use a good night's sleep. That is why you got to check out Helix Mattress. Helix has harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers a truly elevated sleep experience. They just launched their new Helix Elite. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. I've had my Helix for years now. I absolutely love it. Night after night, I sleep like a sweet, beautiful, slumbering babe. And I want the same for you. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Because why would you want a mattress for someone else? Get out of my mattress. I'm a married man. Go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. Take their two-minute sleep quiz to find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Their flexible payment plans make it so that a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Hurry over to helixsleep.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Speaking of staring at screens, this is a feel-good story. The jury, jury in Texas, just awarded a woman $1.2 billion after her boyfriend engaged in revenge porn. Now, before you say that seems a little steep, 1.2 billion, that's a, listen, there are a lot of people who don't even have $1.1 billion, you know, much less 1.2. Before you say it's a little steep, this guy wasn't engaging in run-of-the-mill revenge porn. I think all revenge porn is pretty egregious and should be punished pretty severely. But this guy was obviously a complete lunatic. Uh, the the ex-girlfriend filed a lawsuit uh, which alleged, and I guess the court has ruled in her favor, that this guy created a website and a publicly accessible Dropbox folder and fake social media profiles to disseminate porn of this woman. How did he get the porn? You might say, well, that woman shouldn't have sent him naughty pictures. That's not exactly what happened. The guy obtained the porn by accessing security cameras in the woman's home and taking pictures and video of her when she was unaware. That's according to the Washington Post. Then he he emailed her and said, you will spend the rest of your life trying and failing to wipe yourself off the internet. Happy hunting. He continued to just uh, harass this woman and try to ruin her life. He's obviously really, really sick, really perverted guy uh, and a psycho in all sorts of other ways. And uh, anyway, after this long and drawn out breakup, he he decided to uh, just try to ruin her life. So the jury awards her $1.2 billion. I think this is great. Uh, it's fine. It would be, you know, this is really psycho behavior and people who engage in it should, should have the steepest punishments. The other reason this is really good, just from a political perspective, is 
In this decision, this court is acknowledging the value of honor, which is something that democracies in general don't always place a high enough value upon, and degraded democracies that, that degrade into mob rule or oligarchy or something like that, they really don't place value on honor. One of the pitfalls of democracy is that it, it can become too materialistic, and it can be, become too full of envy and resentment, too focused on just stuff and coveting other people's stuff. And what this decision says is, look, what happened here is a guy spread some pictures of his ex-girlfriend around. It's not like he went and stole her, her car. He didn't steal her laptop. He didn't steal her jewelry. He stole her honor. He stole her reputation. And what the jury is saying is, had he stolen her car, they might say, okay, he owes you 20 grand. Stole some jewelry, okay, he owes you five grand. Stole some, but he stole your honor, well, he owes you $1.2 billion. That's good. We must restore a sense in this country of the importance of honor and the importance of modesty. Why is it a big deal that he got some naked pictures of her? What the liberals will say is, well, because she didn't consent to it. Sure, that's, that's part of it. But consent is not the only moral criterion, of course. It's not the most important one, not by a long shot. If it were merely a violation of consent, that would be serious. Would it be $1.2 billion serious? No, I don't think. Had he just taken a picture of her sitting on a beach? Well, that's a bad example because she'd be wearing a bikini. If he took a picture of her sitting in a burqa and posted it, they might say, well, that's creepy and weird, but we're going to award you, I don't know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks. No one would be, would be awarding this woman $1.2 billion. They're awarding her that money because they're acknowledging that modesty is a virtue. It's valuable. People cherish it. And when that is taken away from somebody, that is a more egregious offense than a mere violation of consent. It's a really good decision. I'm not sure that this was all conscious in the minds of the, of the judge or the Were there jurors here? I'm not even sure. But, but that is the effect of the decision. And it, it's, it's something that you see this in the, the trad wife movement. You see this in the movement away from feminism and some aspects of the sexual revolution. In a way, you kind of see it with the Me Too movement, which fizzled Hollywood, made sure to stamp that one out real quick, destroy their whole business model, threaten their whole business model. But you, you saw those inklings there, a turning away from this shallow language, liberal, liberal libertarian kind of language, that, whereby consent is the only important moral category. No. Well, there are more important things. Honor is important too. Speaking of women's issues. So I didn't believe it the first time I saw it. I played it on the show yesterday and some people didn't believe it either. A spokesman for the Ukrainian military is an American transvestite. Because of course. If you look at Putin's mouth, you'll notice that blood drips from it. He's a vampire carrying out genocide against both Ukrainians and Russians alike. Vlad Putin bathes in the blood of innocent children and enjoys it. And this is why the dictator of the Russian Federation must be deposed and why peace talks have to be focused on President Zelensky's 10-point peace formula and the full liberation of Ukraine. 
when I first saw that, I said, this is AI. This is not real. This is an SNL skit. Well, SNL wouldn't make this skit anymore, but it's, it can't, this can't be real. I found out it was real, but many of you were as skeptical as I am. There are more videos. Vladimir Putin, you are already in hell. We are counting your days down now. Your fascism, your totalitarianism will not get a monument, Vladimir Putin. Slava Ukraini. <laughs> Slava Ukraini. You will not, Putin, leave Britney alone. I'm sure that Vladimir Putin is quaking in his boots at this American transvestite proving his point that this is just a proxy war <laughs> with the United States and that it's just liberal Americans who are using Ukraine as a vassal state to, to pose Vladimir Putin. Just truly, Hollywood couldn't have scripted it any better. And Hollywood, I guess, did script this one. So, of course, that is the case. Why would Ukraine allow this? This is so embarrassing, so humiliating. I said it on the show yesterday. I'm not rooting for Putin, but these guys make it really hard. They make it really hard when they say, you need to support Ukraine so that we can have transgenderism everywhere. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Are you going to make me? Do I, I, don't, I don't like Putin. Do I have to? Oh, no. Oh, no. Why? Why would Ukraine do this? I, I get why Ukraine would put an American transvestite as the face of its military. It's, this is a recognition by Ukraine that its chief support comes from the American left. That's, that is the reason that this war is still going on. That is the reason that Ukraine is still in the war. Now, some people will say, well, it's good that the war is still going on because it means that Russia hasn't come to dominate Ukraine and installed some new puppet regime or taken the Donetsk or taken parts of Eastern Ukraine. Sure. Okay. Maybe that's your opinion. That's obviously the opinion of American liberals is this war should go on forever and ever, at least for a very long time. But that is why the war is going on. Had the U.S. not backed Ukraine and not sent $100 billion and not sent all sorts of missiles and weapons and armaments, the war would have been over within two weeks. But the U.S. decided to do it, and this was led especially by the liberal establishment. Some conservatives supported the, the war in Ukraine. Now they do not. Now the, the, the American people broadly oppose greater funding for the war in Ukraine. That's all Americans, not just conservatives, and the Republicans have turned significantly against the war in Ukraine. So what does that leave the Ukrainians with? Well, if Zelensky wants to continue to get that sweet, sweet dollar and, and those nice American weapons, then he's got to appeal to the last constituency that, that really strongly supports him, and that is the American left. And how do you do that? You put a transvestite on TV, you get them to whine in America, and you dress, a, you dress an American man up like Karen who makes a video begging, demanding to see Vladimir Putin's manager because she, she is going to file a complaint and then you get more American money. Speaking of the American left, this is going to be controversial. I don't even know if I should say this. I'm, I'm going to irritate people, but I'm not here to pander to you, okay? I'm not here to tell you just what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you the truth. There's a study shows that Half of U.S. residents have tried marijuana. Okay. I puffed the devil's lettuce once or twice in my wayward youth. All right. We've all tried it. Half of us, I guess, have tried it. Okay. I'm not, listen, people make mistakes. They experiment. 
17% of Americans currently regularly smoke the Sin spinach, the Peruvian parsley, California cumin. You know what I'm talking about? Jazz cigarettes. You know what I mean? Hashish. I guess hash is actually a little bit different. You know, the Haitian oregano. Talking about pot, man, they smoke it. This is according to a new Gallup survey released on Thursday. And I know before, I'm not, I'm not going to go get on my high horse, start talking about how pot is bad and makes you kind of chubby and lazy and less funny, though you think everything else is funnier. I'm not going to get on that high horse. But to the people, the conservatives who say, oh, it's totally fine, legalize pot, have everyone smoke. I just have one question. This is a, just a basic political question. Do you think that the spread of marijuana use is likely to make Americans more conservative or more liberal? What do you think? Do you think just all things being equal, you got a guy, he's kind of politically neutral, and you say, hey, buddy, come on over here to the cigar bar, and we're going to talk about G.K. Chesterton and Edmund Burke. Or you get a guy, you say, hey, buddy, come on down to the cool bar, and we're going to throw back some beers, not Bud Lights, and we're going to hang out with the boys and play poker. Okay, that's going to push a guy into a certain culture. Or you say, hey, buddy, come on over here and start ripping out of this bong, and then we can all be in a drum circle and engage in witchcraft. Like, what direction do you want to push people in? Do you, does anybody seriously believe that more potheads is going to make America more conservative? Well, if it's not, if it's obviously going to make America way more hippie and dippy and liberal, then why would we be encouraging this? Well, say the libertarians, well, because of the sacred right to smoke dope. No, what right? What right? You, you think James Madison wrote a, a right to smoke pot in the Constitution? I don't see that. What right? The right that Russell Kirk and Ronald Reagan and I don't know, any, any conservative, you name it, John Adams and every, any conservative in American history, you think they, they really believe there's some fundamental constitutional national right to smoke pot? No, obviously not. So, what, so why would we want it? Cut it out, guys. Just going to make people big libs. Speaking of cultural influence, we had some great cultural influence from that good old boy from the South who has that, that song about the rich men from Richmond, which we'll get to in one second. That's my little tease before the sub break. But whether it's changing the definition of words or trying to convince you that two plus two equals five, sometimes feels like the current culture is doing its best to make you stupid. When wokeness permeates every aspect of your life, it's hard to know where to turn for guidance. Well, I've got some good news. Our friend Dennis Prager has answers in his Daily Wire Plus series, Prager U Master's Program. In Master's Program, Dennis has gathered 40 years worth of wisdom and is sharing it on a number of wide-ranging subjects. Dennis offers useful advice on marriage, happiness, and how to be a good person, plus so much more. He even dares to explain the differences between men and women. In a world that wants to make you woke, Dennis wants to make you wise. All episodes are now available, but only for Daily Wire Plus members, so don't wait. Go to dailywireplus.com, become a member, and watch PragerU's master's program today. My favorite comment yesterday is from Garrett Harriman6333, who says, I just want to know how that mother effer wasn't real. What did she see? 
I know I wanted to do that too. I was so dismayed that she put out that apology video. And she didn't do it just to get attention. She did it because apparently journalists hounded her down and ferreted her out. And I think it's just so sad that they did that. It's so irresponsible. There is absolutely no public interest in finding out who this poor woman is who had some kind of psychotic or pharmaceutical or otherwise just embarrassing episode on an airplane. There's no public interest in that other than to humiliate her and ruin her life. I was very sorry to see that. And I'm sorry to see that she apologized. She, as far as I can tell, unless she was in full control of her faculties and she just decided to put on some performance art, she didn't really have anything to apologize for. And I kind of want to know what she saw. But alas, I'm not, I'm not even going to invite her on the show because I don't want to make her life worse than it is. Uh, speaking of cultural influence, Oliver Anthony. Oliver Anthony is the singer behind the song about the rich men from Richmond. And I, I perused his YouTube channel because that song, uh, it's good. He's obviously a real talent. It's not, you know, it's, I, it's not the greatest song I've ever written, but he's a real talent. I love that the song went viral he seems great. And I was perusing his other songs. His other songs are better than the one that went viral. His other, he's, he's, a, he's just a real musical talent. He's got this great voice, kind of like Levon Helm. He's a terrific little dobro guitar player. And his other songs, frankly, are, are even more musically interesting and more my style, at least. My style is probably not indicative of popular music tastes. So maybe that's why the other one went viral. But maybe the best thing that guy has done is he was just opening up a show his first show, I guess, since all of this went down, and he opened it up by reading the Bible. Before we start singing, and I mean we, because I hope y'all are going to be singing too, I just had something I, I felt compelled to share with you. This is in uh, Psalm, Psalm 37, 12 through 20. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. And it goes on and on. He reads this long Bible passage. And I thought, this is great. And by the end, people applaud. They're shouting, woohoo. And then he starts singing his song. This is really great stuff. Because it shows that this guy's purpose is not just to make money. This guy's purpose is not just to become famous. This guy's purpose is not just to get his one song out there. This guy is doing all those things. I can't even imagine how much money this guy's made in one weekend when he went that viral, got the number one song in America. He obviously got very famous. A lot of people have heard his music. He would seem, from just that one little clip, he would seem to be doing it, not just for his own self-aggrandizement, but for the glory of God, which is really what it's all about. I just love that. I just love that. I've been going back through Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, and Aristotle points out all these different kinds of virtues. And he says, you know, wealth is not a virtue. It's nice to have material stuff. Well, you need it for a happy life. You need some material stuff. But it's not, it's not a virtue because it, it, it's not for itself. It's an instrument. Wealth is just there to get you something else. But this is true of so much. Your professional success, what's it for? So that you can hang a trophy on your wall at the end of the day? so that you can get employee of the month? What's it for? Fame, what's it for? What you, so that people can be nice to you when you walk down the street? 
And so people are going to ask you for pictures. What's it for? Is it to bring glory to God and to bring people closer to him? That's ultimately what it ought to be for, right? And that appears to be what he's doing. Seems to have his priorities in order. Now, that brings me to the other populist candidate in the race, not Trump, but Bobby Kennedy Jr., someone who does not seem to have his priorities in order. Uh, RFK Jr. has gained some support on the right because he opposes some of the corruption in the Democrat Party. He was right about COVID. He's right about big pharma and some of the, the capture, corporate capture of the federal regulatory agencies. But, but RFK Jr., now that he's being floated as a potential running mate for Donald Trump, was asked his views on important issues that matter to conservatives, notably the issue of life and abortion. Here's Kennedy's answer. Would you sign a federal protection to protect the rights that were in the Roe precedent if you were president? I believe that a decision to abort a child should be up to the women during the first three months of life. So you would cap it at 15 weeks? Yes. Or 21 weeks? Yeah, three months. So three months. You would sign a federal cap on that? Yes, I would. Okay. So not unlimited access to abortion, as many in the Democratic Party. I think the states, uh, you know, once a a child is viable outside the womb, I think then the state has an interest in protecting that child. That is, that supersedes, and you know, I think that the state has an interest at every level, but at some point, I don't, you know, I'm against, I'm for medical freedom. I think individuals ought to be able to make their own choices. Which is why I'm surprised to hear you say you cap it. Well, because, you know, I think at some point you'd say uh, the state, I would personally not. I think the states um, have a, a, you know, have a right to, uh, to protect a child once the child becomes viable. Very sad answer. Very sad answer because it, it's totally incoherent. And the reason it's incoherent is good, actually. It's because Bobby Kennedy is not just a run-of-the-mill Democrat who just regurgitates all the crazy Democrat points, which now the Democrat talking point on abortion is that we ought to have abortion to the eighth trimester. You know, that it should be, it's a wonderful thing and we should celebrate it. And Kennedy's saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't think that. I mean, I support it. I support abortion. I'm not one of those crazy pro-lifers, but I support it for the first three months. It's okay. She says, only three months, huh? He goes, yeah, yeah. Only the first three months of life. Oh, hold on. Wait, you're saying, you're admitting that, that it's life, that you're ending a human life in abortion. So he's, he's kind of a little bit approaching the pro-life side. He's obviously at least open to it. He says, but no, but, but you should st- obviously, oh, I'm a Kennedy. I'm a Democrat. I have, of course, abortion's good, but it is a life. But okay. So really little, really vulnerable life. It's okay to kill that. But the older life, no, the state has an interest in protecting that life. Hold on. So you think, she asks him, you think that that you shouldn't be able to have an abortion later on, that the state should stop you? Well, I'm for medical freedom. Huh, so am I pro-abortion? Well, I'm for medical, but I don't, but I don't think we should kill babies all the time. And well, but, but I would, I wouldn't personally oppose abortion. Uh, you, uh, personally, I'm fine with abortion up until the moment of birth, but I just think, and you can tell, it's just a man who doesn't know what he thinks about it, and, which is fine. I, so I don't want to be too harsh on him. I want to be encouraging of Bobby Kennedy to just examine this issue further and follow his, I think, probably correct recent intuitions on this issue to their logical conclusion. 
if it's human, if it's life, if we want to protect people, supposedly his entire career is about protecting people and the environment and from predatory pharmaceutical companies, then you got to protect life. You got to protect human life. It's simple as that. You got to be pro-life. He doesn't know that. So he, maybe he could get on our side someday. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but he, he's obviously not on our side now. And it, it's just a reminder that it, it's encouraging to see him oppose some of the craziness on the left. But He's not there yet. He's not going to be Trump's vice president. He's not going to be any Republican's vice presidential running mate. Uh, Kennedy's great contribution to this race is to show that there is discontent in populism, serious populism, 70% of the party, even on the left. And that should make us happy. Now, when you want to be happy, what do you do? My friend, Dr. Gad Sad, has some thoughts on Woke Wednesday. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. We'll see you there.